0: Hi there. Welcome to the From Lab to Launch podcast by Qualio, where we share inspiring stories from the people on the front lines of life sciences. Tune in and leave inspired to bring your life-saving products to the world. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning into From Lab to Launch. Today, we're glad you're here. I'm Kelly from Qualio, and I'm your host. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate the podcast. That helps us out a lot. If you want to be on the show, you can fill out the application form linked in the show notes as well. We'd love to hear from you. Today, I am really excited to welcome Tanya Dow, CEO of Farm Innovation Fund. She's joining us all the way from Switzerland. It's so awesome to see how we're connecting folks from around the world in this whole industry. I love it. Tanya has a background in microbiology and biochemistry, and is an expert in business models and market requirements for life science companies. We're going to learn from her experience in acquisitions, investments, and commercialization of life sciences companies across Europe, as well as some recent investments here in the U.S. Check out the show notes for her full bio and links to what she and the team are up to at Farm. All right, let's get started. Tanya give us an overview of your career from biochemistry in college to consulting to now CEO.
1: Right. So yeah, I was always interested in life sciences in anything related to human health, uh, whether it's through microbiology, biochemistry, medicine. My father was a doctor. And when I was five years old, he told me all about how, you know, the surgeries that he performed in hospitals. And I ended up drawing pictures in kindergarten about people's intestines and their uh, organs. So <laughs> Uh, that that kind of started me on this on this spin towards uh, life sciences right right after straight out of university I, I started my first company market research prior to that I had done some internships in market research in biotechnology in the end of 90s right beginning of 2000s and that was a crazy period where a lot of biotech companies were being formed and the, the pharma business model was changing. They were not anymore doing so much research. Where they were realizing that they're going to have to uh, partner with biotech. it was a very exciting time. I got really excited about this, this new innovation and opportunities and how startups could actually come with academic um, research background and innovations and really build some new therapies, uh, diagnostics, and, and medical uh, solutions for patients. So yeah, I I started my own company in in market research to help these startups really get to the next level, ended up selling my business to a little bit larger uh, boutique company. And then moved there from market research to actually uh, manage, uh, managing partner eventually. So I became a partner of the company that acquired my company. So that was a kind of a nice story. Over the years, I worked with more than 80, I, I think it was 86 companies. And at the end, in, in various projects over 15 years, we worked with large multinational companies to to really early startups and everything about this innovation. How do you move innovation from startup perspective? How do you bring that to the market? How do you commercialize? How do you find partners? And from big industry perspective, how the heck are we going to have access to that innovation? That was really really exciting. That kind of started the 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 the, the work in 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 towards you know becoming an investor because about five years ago. I said to myself, okay, you know, midlife crisis. I can still do something new, or I'll just stick to my own company for the rest of my life. But I was really interested in kind of learning a new professional area. And then a phone call came at the right time, and I joined Debio Farm um, Innovation Fund, uh, leading. Leading. It's a corporate venture arm of the Swiss pharma company Debio Farm, and uh, we Debio Farm develops. Oncology and infectious disease drugs, and we invest in digital health in these areas.
0: Awesome. That's that's interesting too that you mentioned the the whole transition from because I started my career uh, about the same time, late late nineties, early two thousands, and I remember when you know the big companies, the Pfizer's of the world, the Baxter's had these huge R and D budgets and these huge yeah. teams that were trying to develop products. And it's been a really interesting journey, how those organizations have transitioned to no longer doing R&D. Instead, it's all the small biotechs. How do they uh, become attractive for acquisition? And so uh, you and I have a lot of parallels there. I've been helping right. those orgs from a quality system perspective for the last geez, wow. eight yeah. years now. It's always fascinating to me to hear what those of us with our our, our bio degrees go off and do in the world and, and, uh, and exactly. how we can all help. Get these books to market, so that's really exciting. What is your mission at W Farm? I know you mentioned uh, the oncology space.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So
0: talk to us about that mission a little bit.
1: All right. So the mission is to invest in digital health and and therapeutic platforms that really uh, radically transform the way we treat patients and the way we develop drugs. We are building. We're trying to build the future together with the startups and. Why we are doing that is, of course, because Debioform as a drug developer would like to kind of stay up on top of, you know, uh, as an early adopter of new technologies. It increases our competitiveness when we are using the newest tools in AI or or, you know, running our clinical trials uh, virtually or as as much as possible using real world data and so on. So we invest in startups to help them build that future, and then debut farm as a company learns from these startups and is able to use the novel technologies in in more efficiently and the really the front line, and that's really the 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 kind of the, the the reason behind one one of the things which is also extremely important for you know for for pharma's and and companies that have existed for tens of years is. How do you maintain this sort of startup spirit? How do you keep the agility of the company? How do you not become more focused on processes and bureaucracy? Uh, And how do you make sure that you're adopting all the time to new trends, how you're using new as tools? So this startup spirit is something important that a lot of uh, CVCs are also looking for.
0: Definitely. Yeah, it's tough to maintain that. There has to be a balance for sure. So, uh, you guys invested in VeriSim. Tell us about yes. that and
1: yeah. uh, why did you choose it? There are some other AI tech companies as well uh, that we've invested before, but let me walk you through a little bit our thinking behind investing in VeriSim Life. So, we were looking at the drug development pipeline, kind of drug discovery to development all the way to the market, that value chain. And we were saying, look, we have to disrupt this. We have to turn this into digital. We can't be doing it the same way as we've been doing it for tens of years. In, you know The, the cost are just getting bigger and bigger, and we're bringing to market more and drugs with higher and higher uh, expense and, and, and you know, for, of course, following that, the drugs are more and more expensive. So we're really um, we looked at this uh, drug development value chain and wanted to piece by piece, Look for alternative ways of doing things, obviously virtually, using computational biology, using simulation, uh, modeling, AI, data, whatever we can to every piece of that development value chain, change it. We don't think that there's one company that's gonna immediately change everything. We believe that there are several companies working in that field. We started, we invested in NOVA Discovery that does a modeling and simulation of clinical trials. We invested in Nuclei, that, and that was an AI investment where they were uh, uh, they're building uh, digital biomarkers through pathology. And we were really, when we saw Verisim Life, we, we knew there was a fit. They are really a unique player in this uh, drug development pipeline. They're focused on translational medicine. They're using AI and modeling to really uh, do virtual or in silico translational medicine and beyond. And we haven't seen anybody in the industry uh be, do exactly the same. No one else is really focused on the, uh, that translational medicine. And when you think about it, translational medicine, medicine is really a pivotal part of drug development. That's where your science, you're translating it through animals to humans to really see that what you've been doing in the labs and, and the science, what you've been doing, how does that really work? And we were really excited, of course, when we met Joe, the CEO as well. We always, we want to work with good teams, good people. We loved her passion, her ambition. And uh, yeah, that was, that, was, that, was, that was the story.
0: Nice, nice. When you're looking at an investment in, or an acquisition, is there something in particular that you wish founders would ask you during the process?
1: Yeah, I would say that you know we're always trying to differentiate uh, we, you know if all the investors have one thing in common we all have money but what is the added value that we can bring and i want to tell you know all the all the startup entrepreneurs out there make sure make sure that you don't just take the money make sure that there's a good connection uh, there's added value, so please ask us what. How can we help you? How can what else can we bring than money? And then, then really about this, uh, you know, you're going to be working with us for for quite a while. You know, the the mutual sort of uh, trust, integrity. These are important things. I I I'd, I'd love to hear because I always ask from startups as well. What are their or entrepreneurs? What are their values? And, and feel free to ask that as well. I think that it's important that we share the same values when we go into an investment together.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, those, those uh, seem absolutely critical to a, a successful partnership. All right. So you've been involved with strategy or transaction projects in over 80 companies at this point over the years. Are there any that stand out? Some that are most memorable?
1: Yeah, I would say that always what excites me is the early startup stages where there's a click that goes in the in the in the entrepreneur's mind, the founder's mind. You know, they find something that's not working today and they realize that it's just a small thing to fix that. And it's usually the best ideas are just this type of click. Oh, wow, I know how to solve that. And then building from that, turning that idea to business, having that excitement and passion and, and uh, you know, working for a purpose with good people, that's that's super in, I- exciting. But if I take some some more precise examples and maybe from larger companies that I worked with, I was really impressed by the time scale and the systematic approach by large Japanese companies um, in health tech, the way that they worked was, was, you know, there was a, there was a kind of a vision of where they wanted to go and the the depth of work they did to, to kind of find the right path to a new market or new technology. It could take a, a, a couple of years to really Build that built that no- field knowledge and once they had that the acquisitions happened really fast so they would be following a field quite closely going to events having you know research done and then once they had identified the ones that they wanted to acquire it was it was fast and very efficient so this was this was something that I that I, that I always remember Another thing that that is important this is also, for all, all um, startup companies and scale-up companies that are venture-backed, and you know, eventually you're, you're going to need to look for an exit, whether it is an IPO or an a, a M&A uh, kind of acquisition, it sounds great when, when um, you're kind of building the case and it gets very complex during the negotiations. But what you have to remember at all points of the negotiation and, and going towards that transaction process is what happens after the post-acquisition, the post-merger um, integration of teams, ensuring that there's a fit. And this is maybe, I may be talking even more to the acquirers uh, to ensure that you do enough work to ensure that the post-merger uh, integration works. And also for the startup companies, make sure that uh, the company that's maybe acquiring or you're negotiating as chipper, just agreement with, that they talk to your people, they build that path, how you're going to work together, make sure there's chemistry, because if you do not have that, you're wonderful, you know, you, you, entrepreneurs are passionate about what their product is. And if the post-integration doesn't work, I've seen too many times when, you know, the business success is hindered and sometimes the business just never really materializes because of that, that integration issue. We're just people, you know, we're acquiring businesses, but we need to work with people. So make sure that that works. That's, that's something, maybe a learning from my career.
0: Yeah, no, that's, again, speaks to that whole team and partnership and how that all needs to go really well, for sure. Definitely. Right. Well, and it's interesting that you mentioned Japan because the next thing I wanted to ask you about was what are you seeing? Our main differences between commercialization in Europe versus America. Japan's always an interesting one too. From from my time in the industry and stuff, they they are uh, their pathways and their concerns are, are different than U.S. or Europe or Canada or Australia or any of them. Exactly. But, uh, in in your experience, I guess if we if we stick to Europe and America, what what are you mm-hmm. seeing is main differences that need to be considered in that commercialization process
1: yeah exactly so so europe is fragmented so from maybe from the u.s perspective it looks like uh, wow you know they have uh market is fragmented they have 50 million people on that market 40 in here 35 million here 10 million here how do you tackle that there's language barriers between each country there's maybe even different regulations reimbursement for sure is different Uh, So how do you how do you tackle that? On the other hand, when I look at the U.S. and especially from European perspective, it's huge opportunity. It's monstrously big opportunity for any company, but it's a really tough market and there's a lot of good competition. So, you know, uh, these are these are they're, they're neither one of these markets are are easy. So. I would always say to European companies, uh, because European companies always want to enter USA at some point. Remember to also build your base in Europe, because on the other hand, U.S. companies don't necessarily expand to Europe, at least in the earlier years. uh, European companies tend to try to enter uh, U.S. market when, you know, around Series B. But U.S. companies only later, once it's really growth stage, uh, uh, large revenue generating maybe 10 million, then they start looking at the European market. So ensure that, that as a European company that you have the European market, because that has value later on, whether you're collaborating with U.S. companies or you want to be acquired or you want to acquire, this is your, your one of your strongholds. Um, on the other hand, for Europe, for US companies, I also want to remind that Europe is not a heterogeneous market. So you have the Nordics that are really advanced in digit- digitally advanced uh, markets. So a lot of those digital, uh, digital health, Products you can maybe have more ready markets in the northern Europe. On the other hand, in Germany you have Diga, which is the digital therapeutics uh, reimbursement system, and and so on and so on. So every country. So so make sure that you have some European advice when and and try to you know when you enter Europe there might be some low hanging fruits for US companies as well.
0: Yes, it's interesting. I worked on a project where we were going to try to do some clinical trials in Poland and Romania, but then, you know, the conversations around, could we use that data back here in the U S how are the populations alike? How are they different? All those kinds of things. And, you know, very narrow, very specific uh, indication. It was, uh, yeah, that was yeah. a challenge. And I think it really, you know, you're right. I think outside of industry, which is often where like the entrepreneur base comes from has a perception. They're like, oh, yeah, it's Europe, they all fall under EU regs. Like, no, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, yeah. from a, from a, you know, the IMPD content pretty consistent, but then every single country, even if yes. they are recognized under EU has their own requirements to exactly. to get through that regulatory pathway. And that can be a huge challenge and a huge, you know, so then at some point you have to go, maybe go back to your investors and say, Hey, I know we were talking about Europe, but we've looked at that strategy and you're either going to have to give us more money or maybe we're going to wait on that one until later.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> have have experienced that one. That one's always interesting. If you could go back and tell yourself something at the start of your career, knowing what you know now, what would you say? Wow.
1: Uh, <laughs> there's so many things that I, I wish I could <laughs> tell myself, but really something I was thinking about this, build your knowledge you know, build your knowledge base piece by piece and be patient because everyone's journey in the, you know, career journey is, is unique. So, and don't try to, you know, don't try to imitate, Oh, you know, my, all my friends from university are doing this and this, but, but find your own path and have faith because once you get, you know, later in your life, once you get to, uh, um, my young age, uh, it's, um, you realize that you really need unique perspectives, uh, when you sit on boards, uh, when you invest everyone, for example, in my team, I've tried to collect very, you know, different people with different backgrounds, different career journeys, because they've all seen different things. And that, that, um, you know, kind of spectrum of different, uh, unique personalities, unique career paths They they build power. And so really, you know, make your own choices. If you're sometimes you don't get a job that you really wanted, don't worry. You know, you're gonna you're gonna have your chance. And just one step at a time. Build it, don't worry, you're 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 doing good and you know, dare, dare to, you know, dare to take steps that no one else is doing.
0: Awesome. I love that. So where online? can people find you to follow along?
1: Yes. So I'm, I'm mostly in LinkedIn. So I will, everything that I will publish somewhere else is going to end up in my, on my LinkedIn account. There's some interesting resources that we have on our, our uh, webpage, at debut Farm innovation fund, such as a recent paper we wrote on series A to scale up. What are some of the lessons learned and best practices from our portfolio companies and from several investors that we interviewed. So that might be interesting for companies looking for series A or having maybe build their series A and trying to figure out how do you build the scale up, uh, capability to scale up. And and, and so follow the LinkedIn. There's also another paper that we're working on. We'll probably publish it around mid-year on exits. And, you know, as a you know, Series A and post Series A, Series B entrepreneur, you know, what do you have to think about exits and how can you make sure that you come out of it as a winner one day?
0: Oh, perfect. That's, uh, I think that'll be exactly the kinds of information our, our listeners uh, in that space will be looking for. Thank you so much for your time today, Tanya. It was been absolutely amazing to meet you. I feel like we could talk a whole lot more. I'd love to connect with you maybe again sometime
1: soon. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Kelly. This was a great pleasure to speak with you and uh, wonderful to have this European-U.S. connection. Uh, and I absolutely. think that, you know, we, we maybe have to think, thank COVID for making the world a little smaller place.
0: It has made it a little smaller in a lot of ways, hasn't it? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh my goodness. What fun. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of From Lab to Launch. Brought to you by Qualio. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and give the show a positive review. It really helps us out. For more information about Qualio, our guest today, or to be a guest on a future episode, please refer to the show notes. Until next time.